good morning. We, uh, we're pleased to have with us uh, as our guest uh, the Reverend Canon Dan Webster. Uh, Dan uh, works for the Bishop of uh, the Episcopal Diocese of Maryland. Uh, he is the Canon for Evangelism and Ministry Development, and he's also an aspiring chaplain with Starfleet Academy. So uh, we're uh, thrilled to have him with us. Uh, the, the tradition in the Episcopal Church is that the, uh, the reading uh, is actually read prior to the sermon by somebody other than the pastor. So uh, Anne is going to do that for us, and then Dan will come up uh, to deliver the sermon. passage from today is from Jeremiah chapter 31. At that time, I will be the God of all the clans of Israel, and they will be my people. I, the Lord, affirm it. The Lord says, the people of Israel who survived death at the hands of the enemy will find favor in the wilderness as they journey to find rest for themselves. In a far-off land, the Lord will manifest himself to them, and he will say to them, I have loved you with an everlasting love, and that is why I've continued to be faithful to you. I will rebuild you, my dear children Israel, so that you will once again be built up. Once again, you will take up the tambourine and join in the happy throng of dancers. Once again, you will plant vineyards on the hills of Samaria, those who plant them will once again enjoy their fruit. Yes, a time is coming when the watchmen will call out on the mountains of Ephraim, Come, let us go to Zion to worship the Lord our God. Moreover, the Lord says, Sing for joy the descendants of Jacob. Utter glad shouts for the foremost of nations. Make your praises heard. And then say, Lord, rescue your people. Deliver those of Israel who remain alive. And then I will reply, I will bring them back from the land of the north. I will gather them in from distant parts of the earth. Blind and lame people will come with them. And so will pregnant women and women about to give birth. A vast throng of people will come back here they will come back, shedding tears of contrition. I will bring them back, praying prayers of repentance. I will lead them beside streams of water along smooth paths where they will never stumble. I will do this, because I am Israel's father. Ephraim is my firstborn son. Hear what the Lord has to say, O nations. Proclaim it in the faraway lands along the sea. Say, the one who scattered Israel will regather them. He will watch over his people like a shepherd watches over his flock. For the Lord will rescue the descendants of Jacob. He will secure their release from those who overpowered them. They will come and shout for joy on the Mount of Zion. They will radiate with joy over the good things the Lord provides. The grain fresh wine, the olive oil, the young sheep and calves that he's given them. They will be like a well-watered garden. They will not grow faint or weary anymore. The Lord says, 
At that time, young women will dance and be glad. Young men and old men will rejoice. I will turn their grief into gladness. And I will give them comfort and joy in place of their sorrow. I will provide the priests with abundant provisions. My people will be filled to the full with the good things I provide. The word of the Lord. Morning, New Hope. I'm so happy to be here. This is just, I, I'm, I can see why, I can see why Jason is one of the most joyful people I know, because, because of you folks. Amazing. I've had the pleasure of meeting your pastor on more than one occasion, and, um, and he, he really is filled with the Spirit. He really is filled with the Spirit, and that's evident. And he's known my bishop uh, a lot longer than he's known me. And so uh, when, when Jason invited me to come preach, I was very excited. Little did I know it was going to be the Sunday morning after the church Christmas party so that he wouldn't have to prepare a sermon today. <laughs> you know, these things are things that, that pastors do. You know, it's, it's just timing. Everything in life is timing. The timing of today's story from Jeremiah. Imagine if you are in Babylon and you hear those words. Anne read them just so beautifully. Imagine you are held captive in Babylon because you are an Israelite and you hear those words. You hear the words of the prophet who says, God is going to gather us all back together. So there's that wonderful psalm where where the psalm writer says, how can we sing songs to our God in a strange land? That's when they were in the Babylonian captivity because they felt that they couldn't sing songs to God if they weren't in Jerusalem because that's where Jerusalem lived. That's where God lived, was in Jerusalem. Imagine those words would have brought great joy and hope. What great images we're given. Jeremiah, when, when, I, when I was told that, uh, what the, the scripture passage was that I'd be preaching on, I, I went to, of course, my Jewish study Bible because I figure if I'm going to be preaching on Hebrew scriptures, who better to consult than the Jewish study Bible? So one of the commentaries in there says that Jeremiah is the one prophet where we learn more about the prophet than any other. There is so much that is revealed about Jeremiah the person. Even though it's probably highly unlikely that one person was Jeremiah because his whole story lasts over 40 years. Very long time. 
for one prophet book. So we read this, we read this story and we hear the things about Jeremiah and how he said, he turns down, I'm not going to be a prophet. And God says to him, oh yeah, you are. I'm going to put words in your mouth. And you're not going to like some of them. That's just when he called Israel a harlot. But what did we hear today? Israel will be a virgin bride. We'll come back together. One of the Christian commentators who has written about the prophets says there's so much personal information in Jeremiah that, that it's almost as though the word becomes flesh in Jeremiah. Now, we always say the word became flesh is Jesus. But we don't have to look very, very much further than Jeremiah 15, 16. Your words were found, and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. I ate them. Your words, I ate them. I ingested them. They became part of me. And I'm so glad that this is the reading that we have that Jeremiah is what we're going to be remembering as we come to celebrate communion together. Ingesting, having something become so much a part of us. Imagine the word becoming so much a part of us that we can't separate it from ourselves. Kind of hard to imagine for some folks. Oh, another thing that just absolutely gave my heart joy was when I looked in your, in your bulletin and I saw you had a blank for sermon notes. And I saw a couple of people with their pencils out and I thought, oh, wow, I really must be doing a good job. Well, let me tell you that, um, and I'm not sure, I didn't clear this with Jason, but if you have your smartphone, if there's anything in the sermon, anything in the reading, anything that you find inspiring that you want to share, post it on Twitter or Facebook or take a picture and post it on Instagram. Whatever it is, share that. Don't be afraid to share that. Why? Because your friends are out there and they're hungry. Some of them may need to know what you find inspiring. And the next time you see them in person, what might they say to you? Wow. You certainly seem to spend a lot of time at that New Hope Church. I already checked in on both of my Facebook accounts today (laughs) that I was preaching at New Hope Community Church. Now somebody's going to ask me, why were you preaching at a community church? And I'm going to be able to have that conversation and to amplify that. But when somebody says to you, gosh, you seem to spend an awful lot of time at church, there is your evangelism moment. Now, you can say, yeah, I know, I go because I don't want to go to hell, which is what I learned growing up Roman Catholic. Or you can say, you know, I need some place to go to be fed. 
And I tell you, every Sunday that I go there, something feeds me. The God that I worship gives me great joy and strength and courage. And then if you're feeling really strong, why not invite them to come with you next time? Why not invite them? I do a lot of uh, leading of vestry retreats. Vestries are the, the board of elders in Episcopal churches. And oftentimes, I'll go around and, and I'll ask people how, uh, how long they've been in the, in the parish, where they are, and, and why they came and why they stayed. Rarely, rarely do I hear some Episcopalian say, I remember that it was John Jones who invited me to come to church and I stayed. In fact, Episcopalians, Episcopalians call it the E word, evangelism. They don't even want to say it. They're afraid to even say it. It's amazing. And somehow I just got a funny feeling that is part of your DNA. I just got a funny feeling it's just part of who you are. If you're anything like this guy, it's part of who you are. So when Jason says, Noel, now uh, what kind of a title, uh, what, we need a title for your sermon. And I said, title? I never give titles to sermons. You're going to lock me into something? I normally, I mean, I never write sermons out because I kind of, I'm one of those weird Episcopalians. I believe in the Holy Spirit moving through me, you know? I mean, um, yes, I know that if, if I were in Episcopal church, I'd be wearing, you know, robes and a stole and, and all of that formal stuff. And, and we would, and I was so glad to see that, that you used the Book of Common Prayer prayers today. That was so wonderful. Uh, I kind of felt at home. It was kind of nice. But we really, there's a reason why they call us the frozen chosen, okay? So, so if I were leading a service, I would say, our service begins on page 355 in the Book of Common Prayer. And what I say to Episcopalians, if you go into any Episcopal church anywhere in the country and you drop a prayer book on the floor, it will open to 355. <laughs> it will just fall open to 355. Because that's where the service begins on Sunday morning, and that's where most of us are, and that's where we get... It's just, it's just where it is. We're fairly formal. You're not. It doesn't matter. Nobody's right. It's just, how is God feeding you? Some people get fed by, by, by that, that order. They need that order. So when I came this morning, I said to Jason, is there an order of service? He said, yeah. And I said, it's not in the bulletin. He says, well, uh, we'll have a meeting with the team and we'll figure that out. <laughs> so, 
So there was this meeting with the team, and I was part of that this morning, and that was kind of nice. And, and, and there was kind of like this, this little moment of chaos, you know, and Rick is telling me, well, there's, we're going to do this, and, and, and Joe is saying, well, we're going to do that. And, you know, it's, it, it was all kind of chaotic, which reminded me, in here, it says the Holy Spirit creates out of chaos. And I keep going around the country now that I'm working with the Episcopal Church Building Fund and doing, and doing workshops saying, you've got to create some chaos where you are so that the Holy Spirit can do something with it. If you're always opening it to page 355, the Holy Spirit's going to have a little trouble. That's what we've got to be open to. So the words from Jeremiah are, are, just, are, are just astonishing to us. Again, you shall take your tambourines and go forth in the dance of the merrymakers. You're in Babylon. You're not doing much dancing. Anybody who would have heard that who would have immediately thought about Miriam. Miriam, Aaron's wife, back in Exodus, where it says that Miriam, who was also a prophet, says that Miriam took up the tambourine and danced for joy. When? When Pharaoh's army had been destroyed by the waters of the Red Sea. Another sign. Taking up the tambourine and dancing would have been a message to the people in Babylon that God is once again going to save us. It's God's dream. It's God's dream to bring the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom back together. It's God's dream that they should all be one again. That's God's dream. What is Jesus' dream? We only have to go to John 17 to find that out. I ask not only on behalf of these, but on behalf of those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. That they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me and I in you, May they also be in us. Now, why? So that the world may believe that you have sent me. If we are all one as followers of Jesus, then those who don't follow Jesus will look at us and say, Wow, look at those people. They really are. Unified. They're unified. There must be something to this Jesus story. Now, he could have stopped there. He didn't. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become completely one. 
completely one so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So here's our opportunity, folks. We came together because we've been discussing about sharing a building. We've been discussing the possibility that maybe New Hope Community Church and the Episcopal Church could do something together. What's that going to look like? We have no idea. We'll come up with some sort of covenant agreement where New Hope will do this and the Episcopal Church will do this. We'll, we'll do all of that stuff. But as we sit and think about it right here and right now, after the words of Jeremiah, of God calling Israel back together, and after the words of Jesus saying, I pray that they may all be one as you and I are one, We have no idea. We just know that God wants us to do things together. Now, being unified does not mean being in unanimity. When you hear a good choir, they may sing a wonderful piece, but there are all sorts of parts. What can we do together? And what's it going to be like with the Episcopal Church being the landlord? That's the whole point. The bishop doesn't want us to be a landlord-tenant relationship. The, bishops want to, the bishop wants us to partner in ministry. And what's going to inform us stodgy old Episcopalians here? Henry Nouwen wrote several books on spirituality. He wrote a book in 1975 called Reaching Out. And in it, he talks about hospitality. And I can tell you, Bishop Sutton has read that book. I have read that book. And if we're going to be working together, that has informed us. And here are a couple of things that he said. Henry Nouwen was a Catholic priest, by the way, and so uh, a lot of people have read a lot of his books. Hospitality means primarily the creation of a free space where the stranger can enter and become a friend instead of an enemy. Hospitality is not to change people, but to offer them space where change can take place. It is not to bring men and women over to our side, but to offer freedom not disturbed by dividing lines. Offer them space where change can take place. You've got a big space in Catonsville. And yes, there have been other people who have come and said, we'd like to rent that from you. And Bishop Sutton says, Hold them off. Hold them off. I would much rather enter into some sort of partnership arrangement with New Hope Community 
than just rent it out. So if we have an Episcopal worshiping community there early on Sunday morning, and New Hope comes in at 10 o'clock, what would happen if we did ministry together? And the people couldn't determine who was a New Hoper and who was an Episcopalian. Then we could be one. Then we could do gospel work together. Then we can realize God's dream and Jesus' dream together. Imagine that. Imagine that. We could create our own prime directive. Aha, the Trekkers got that one. The Trekkers got that one. Oh, yeah. This, this, is, this is a classic Holy Spirit moment where we have no idea where we're going, but we know, we know if we say yes, something's going to happen. Nowen goes on to say the paradox of hospitality is that it wants to create emptiness, not a fearful emptiness, but a friendly emptiness where strangers can enter and discover themselves created free, free to sing their own songs, speak their own languages, dance their own dances, free also to leave and follow their own vocations. Hospitality is not a subtle invitation to adopt the lifestyle of the host, but the gift of a chance for the guest to find his own. Nobody wants you to become Episcopalians. We want you to sing your own songs and dance your own dances. I was thinking about that when I saw the kids at the very beginning. The, the kids just dancing, they're just, they were so full of joy. I mean, enter the kingdom as a child. Maybe there's some things you can teach us. Maybe you can help us thaw a little bit from that frozen chosen thing. I'm on a personal crusade to change the sign uh, on the Episcopal, the, the words on the sign of the Episcopal Church. It says, the Episcopal Church welcomes you. And I want to change that last part. I want to put up a sign that says, the Episcopal Church, come change us. Come change us. Why? Because none of us has the right answer. No single one of us has God's understanding of what's going on. Together we might be able to get a glimpse. This is, this is a Holy Spirit opportunity, I think. I think God's calling us to do something that people are going to say, now you're doing what again? You're doing what? You're, you're partnering in ministry with a church that's not an Episcopal church? Yeah, it's great. You should try it. The collect that you read for third Sunday of Advent, 
in some circles in the Episcopal Church, today is known as Stir Up Sunday. Stir Up Sunday. Now, in the Catholic Church, it's Gaudete Sunday because of the rose-colored candle, which is supposed to be a sign of joy breaking through the darkness of Advent. But because this collect that we, that we said happens on third Advent, it's called Stir Up Sunday. Stir up. Think about these words as I leave you with this prayer. Think about asking the Holy Spirit to do this. Think about asking God to do this and what it might mean for us. Stir up your power, O Lord, and with great might come among us. And because we are sorely hindered by our sins, let your bountiful grace and mercy speedily help us and deliver us. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory now and forever. Amen.